This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. When the days were completed for their purification according to the law of Moses, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came into the, in the Spirit into the temple, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted. And you yourself a sword will pierce, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There is also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The Gospel of the Lord. Merry Christmas. I know we're all clear around here because I'm such an effective teacher and preacher that the Christmas season began on the 24th of December in the evening, and it goes this year until the 8th of January, the baptism of the Lord. This is significant. Everyone knows that, right? Not everybody, because one of you, I won't embarrass that person, yesterday I said Merry Christmas, and he said, kind of laughed, like, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, it's still the Christmas season. And he says, oh, yeah. Does that go through this weekend? No. It goes through January 8th. That person, Joel Morellis, can remain nameless. January 8th, 978. So here's why it matters. We prepared for this during Advent. It's a season of grace. This is real. God owns time. The season did begin on Christmas Eve, and it is real right now. It's going to last through January 8th. God offers people who are open to it the real grace to enter us of somehow the rebirth of Jesus through this season. Only God knows what that may mean. Only God knows when that may unfold. It's going to be after this season, presumably, though it starts now. The goal as a Catholic during the Christmas season is just to be open to this grace. It's one day at a time. You don't even have to do a lot. 
just to say, God, I believe this is real. I ask you to give me this, and I intend to cooperate with this grace as time goes by. God never forces us to do anything. So if God gives us the rebirth of Jesus, as we move forward in life, surely we're going to have to behave differently. There are going to be things that Jesus wants us to do in the world. So I am one day at a time asking God to give me this grace, and I'm really telling God I intend to cooperate with it. So this is the second big liturgical moment in the Christmas season. It's the feast of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. The readings for this Mass clearly push us to enter into this with the background of another Holy Family. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, Holy Family with a capital H, capital F. Another Holy Family in the Scripture, Abraham, and his wife, Sarah, and their child, Isaac. This is from the book of Genesis. They live about 2,000 years before Christ. The second reading we just heard is from the letter to the Hebrews in the Old Testament, and it's commenting on the story of Abraham in the light of Christian faith, inspired by God. So when you put the first and the second reading today together, the author of the letter of t- to the Hebrews reminds us Abraham at one point, as an adult, has God enter into his life. And God tells him, I want you to take your wife, and I want you to leave your homeland and go to a new land that I promised to you. This is how God is going to begin salvation unfolding, ultimately in Jesus. Jewish people and Christian people call Abraham our father in faith because he responds to this call from God to go on a journey with Sarah and ultimately Isaac in faith, which means He does not know where he's going. He does not know any of the details of what's ahead on this journey. Faith, the author to Hebrews says, is that he accepts this, he thinks about it, he he listens to God's word, I should say, he thinks about it, he accepts that it is God's word, and he acts on it. He chooses to enter into the journey. Second moment out of three that the scripture reminds us to think about today Later on in this journey, Abraham is old, Sarah cannot have children, and God has promised, promises to Abraham repeatedly, I am going to make you the father of a great nation, and it's going to be a blessing for all the people of the earth. Abraham is old, his wife is unable to have children. He understandably says to God, paraphrasing, what is this gift going to be worth? I can't have children. My servant, my steward, is going to inherit everything. He's going to somehow be the source of these future people. God says no to Abraham. You are going to have a child, a biological child of your own. The Scripture says, once again, Abraham's response is faith. He listens to God. He accepts God's word. It says that he finds this to be trustworthy. He realizes God doesn't make promises that God doesn't fulfill. Human beings may, not God. So he accepts that God's promise that he will have a child is trustworthy, and he says yes and continues on this journey. Miraculously, Sarah is able to have a child named Isaac. Third and final reality in their lives we're invited to reconsider is later on the journey, farther and further, as Isaac has grown up, his only son, 
his beloved son, the only source in the future of all these descendants, God, you remember this? God asks Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. It's bizarre to kill Isaac for him for some reason. Horrible. Just imagine this. The scripture says, once again, it's faith with which he responds. Pattern here, he listens. He knows that this is God speaking to him. He accepts it is God's word. The scripture says that he reasons, he uses his brain to think that God can somehow lift up life from the dead, and he accepts doing an acts to do what God tells him to do. He goes to sacrifice his son. I hope you remember this. It turns out God has no intention whatsoever to have him sacrifice his son. This test experience draws forth from Abraham that Abraham so loves God and he so loves other people that he will not withhold his only beloved son from God. That turns out to reveal a Christian recognizes how God loves us. Only Christians understand God loves us so much that he does not withhold his only beloved son from death. That's how much God loves us. The insight about Abraham never makes sense until Jesus dies and rises from the dead. That's how much Abraham is holy. That's how much a man of love and faith he is. So all of it is faith. Holiness means of God. Abraham, Sarah, and Isaac grow as a holy family on the journey of life because God has brought them together, God is leading them, it's all going to end in God. They choose to live faith. That what is what makes them holy. Not their possessions, not their intelligence, not their popularity, because they accept God's word, they wrestle with God's word, and they do God's word. That's what makes them a holy family. So I hope you get the parallel here to the holy family, capital T, capital H, capital F, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph are holy because they're created by God. Jesus is holiness himself because he is God. But these three people choose. God brings them together, sets them on the journey of life. They choose how they respond to God. I hope you know this. Jesus is free to say yes to his Father's will. He's completely free to say yes or no. He's not forced to do anything. So even just think about the limited details we have about the early lives of the Holy Family. In the Gospel of Matthew, they have to flee Israel immediately after the birth because Herod threatens to kill Jesus and all the children, male children Jesus' age. They flee on a journey. They have to go on a journey to Egypt. They live for some extended period of time in Egypt as refugees on a journey. They then journey back to Israel, and they have to go live in a completely different place because of the fear that Jesus could be killed. In the Gospel of Matthew, there are these extremely challenging circumstances of the Annunciation, where Mary then begins a journey to her cousin Elizabeth. Jesus is born in very difficult circumstances outside in Bethlehem. 
They took a what to get to Bethlehem? A journey. Thank you. You should be a teacher. <laughs> they take a journey. They, um, we find out later, the one episode we have about Jesus' early life, well, when they, we hear the story about the presentation of the temple, a journey to Jerusalem, and when Jesus is about 12, they lose him. Remember this? In Jerusalem, on a journey of a pilgrimage. The passage we just heard about presenting Jesus in the temple is wonderful for Mary and Joseph. It's a revelation, more of a revelation, of the presence of God in their son and what he is for the world. It's also crazy. Mary is told, you are going to be pierced by a sword in the midst of this. And what do they do? They continue to take it in, to listen to God, to think, to ask questions, to wrestle, and they ultimately do what God tells them to do. The holy family, the holy family is holy because they are people of faith. Pure and simple. That's it. That's what makes Abraham's family holy. That's what makes Mary, Joseph, and Jesus holy. That's all that makes us holy is living as people of faith. So here's my easy exercise for you this week. You don't have to do a lot of self-examination. You don't have to do a lot of analysis of other people, but you really can do this. Three steps. First step, who today is your immediate family? Who is it that you know, not you think, you know that God put closely with you in life to live this journey of life? Hopefully it may be your parents, your children, your spouse, your immediate family, not dig big distant, your immediate, who are they? A couple of notes on this. Almost all of us have people who are in our immediate family who have died. I hope we're very connected with them, particularly through the Eucharist. But this is about today, on your journey on this planet today. Many of us, too many of us in this community, have people who should be part of our immediate families who have chosen not to. They've walked out on us. They've messed with us. There are people who clearly God wanted to be in our immediate families for the whole journey, and they're gone. Painful, but real. This is about your journey today in God. Many of us in this community have unconventional families, not just because we say, oh yeah, this is my family. Other people have been brought into our lives as our immediate family, and we know over time it's by God. That is a lot to celebrate. So this week, just be clear, exactly who is your immediate family? And if you say it's like my boys in the barber shop, think twice and advance to step two. Step two, how are you living today as a member of your holy family? Be very specific about this, not, oh, I'm nice. How are you putting God at the center of your family's life. You, not your spouse, you. How are you listening to God's word, like coming to church this morning and paying attention to all of this? How are you wrestling with God's word? How are you questioning it? How are you trusting God? How are you reasoning? All of those decisions are the most important decisions you make for your family. If you've recently been giving people gifts, material gifts, 
If you've been feeding one another, it's wonderful, but it's just about over. Joel, what date is it over? January 8th. The choices you make now, right now, to grow as a holy family are the real gifts, the most important gifts you give to your family, and they are meant to be the instruments of the grace of Christmas. Third and finally, as you have insights this week into, I'm really not being a member of my family, fostering holiness the way I could. I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. I realize I could do this, I could do that. Don't get down on yourself, actually make a list. Those are the concrete ways that God is offering you to grow as a holy family. Those may be the concrete ways that God wants the grace of the rebirth of Jesus to become real in your life this season. Joel, do you get it? You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.